Well, good morning. I hope you're doing well. I'm sure you're getting ready for Christmas festivities. And I hope and pray that you celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ, his life and his death and his resurrection during this season. And we're thankful for the gift of Jesus Christ. Now, last time I spoke briefly about Matthew 24, Mark 13. I read out of Mark 13. And this is talking about the signs of the end of the age or the destruction of the temple and those kinds of things, right? And I wanted to go back because I really want to take a little bit of time. I'm going to speak briefly, but I want to take a little bit of time because when you're dealing with some of these difficult chapters, you really need to go slow. You don't need to get in, in a hurry because there's a lot of details that you may miss otherwise. And I mentioned this last time, you know, this account to Matthew 24 to also Mark 13. It's also Luke 21. Okay, it's in all three of those accounts, all three of those gospels, right? So it's important when you're studying something like this that's hard to understand or when there's multiple opinions about what it's talking about. And there definitely is multiple opinions on this chapter, right? And I'm going to read out of Matthew 24 today. However, however, I also am going to read out of Mark 13 and Luke 21 just briefly to show some differences. Because the thing is, when you have three different accounts, three different perspectives, all God-breathed, right? We need to look at that to get the full picture and the full meaning and trying to understand, you know, maybe why there's differences. And also, we want to keep the main thing the main thing. The main point, the main point, especially when you're dealing with these kinds of chapters where you have people saying this is talking about, you know, things that are way off in the future. And that's fine. I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm just saying we have to be very careful because a lot of the Bible is fulfilled prophecy, right? And that's what makes the Bible so powerful. And there's people that have been around for years who question the life of Jesus Christ and the Bible because they say, well, it didn't happen the way he said, or it's not fulfilled. And we know throughout the Bible, we have fulfilled prophecy. Look at Daniel as an example, fulfilled prophecy. And that's what makes it so powerful. That's what makes the Bible so powerful. Now looking again, this is Matthew 24. And I'm not going to go any further. I'm actually going to talk about something different. It's very, very important to look at where something starts where something starts. And it starts where Jesus has just left the temple, right? He's just left the temple. He's walking away. And his disciples come up to him. They call attention to the beautiful buildings, right? And Jesus says, do you see all these things? I tell you the truth. Not one stone here will be left upon another. And we talked about that last time, right? Everyone will be thrown down. Okay, this is where it starts, and I, I would say to you, this is the main thing of the chapter. It doesn't mean it's the only thing, but it's the main thing. Now, why do I say that? If you continue reading, again, I'm still in Matthew 24. You continue reading, and you, what I'm going to do here, I'm going to read Matthew 24, but then I'm going to read the other two accounts because they're different. This asking the same basic question, but there's differences with Matthew 24. Um, and then it says, tell us, they said, when, when will this happen? Okay, he's just told them that all these buildings are going to be destroyed, right? In the temple. So, you know, if he had said that to you, what would you ask? He's like, oh my goodness, what's going to happen? Tell us, 
When will these things happen? What will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Or end of the world, depending on your translation. Right? So if you look over, okay, that's what was asked, Matthew 24, Mark 13, which I read last time. Question is a little bit different. It's asking the same basic thing. This is Mark 13. This is what it says. Tell us. When will these things happen? What will be the sign that they are about to be fulfilled? Okay, we'll say, well, that's basically the same thing. It's not exactly the same thing. When will these things happen? What will be the sign they're about to be fulfilled? They're asking exactly about what he's talking about. He's just told them all this is going to be gone. No stone will be left talking about the temple. He's prophesying that the temple is going to be destroyed, which we know happened in 70 AD. The question is very specific to what he just said, as it should be. Well, when will these things happen? What will be the sign? They're about to be fulfilled. Okay, you see it's a little bit different. Very similar, a little bit different. Okay, Luke 21. Very similar. Luke 21. Okay, again, not one stone left on, but another thing it says, Teacher, they asked, when will these things happen? What will be the sign they're about to take place? Essentially, the same question, right, that you have in Mark. So Mark and Luke essentially asking the same thing, but Matthew is a little bit different and certainly in the way it's phrased, right? So Mark and Luke basically asking the same question, very specific to what he just said about the temple and its buildings, right? But in Matthew, he says, when will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? So what, what I would submit to you is this. The main thing is the main thing. And the main thing that's asked is specific to the temple and its buildings, which he just referenced and he just prophesied what's going to happen. And that's what they're asking. That's the main question. But it doesn't mean it's the only question. Because the question asked in Matthew is a little bit different. It is a little bit different. And I'm going to just give a real broad example you know, and I don't mean anything by this. I'm just, you know, the temple was the center of Jerusalem. And in 70 AD, they did not think God would ever destroy the temple. And yet he did. And it caused a tremendous loss of life. Because people, as the Romans were coming, the people were flooding to the temple. Because it was a huge structure for protection. Well, God's never going to destroy the temple. Well, he did. He did with Roman armies. Now, I can't tell you why there's this difference between the three accounts, but what I can tell you, when you look at all three accounts, it's very obvious what the main question is. The main question is, you know, when is this going to happen? When are all these buildings going to be destroyed, etc.? Because that's what he just said. And that is talking about the destruction of Jerusalem in 70 A.D., that does not mean he didn't answer other questions because in Matthew, we do have other questions. The sign of your coming and the, of the end of the age. Let's say, you know, the National Mall. Okay, someone said this is going to be destroyed. I'm not prophesying, by the way. Let's just say some crazy person said that and you believe them. You say, oh my goodness. Well, that might be the end. That might be the end of America or at least its capital or something like that. Right? Heaven forbid. But you might think that. 
So it's not, the questions asked in Matthew are very natural. What's going to be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? It must be the end if the temple's not going to be here, right? It's a natural question to ask. But we have to be very careful looking at all three accounts and realizing the main thing they're talking about is what he just said about the temple and its buildings and not get carried away thinking the entire chapter is about somewhere way off in the future. So you need to look at all three accounts and look at what he said. Look at where the chapter starts. It starts with the buildings. That's where they were. That's the context. That's where he was. Right? He's walking away from the temple. Drawing attention to the buildings. Telling us not one stone is going to be left. So we have to pay attention to that and not, you know, go crazy with stuff. Does he answer the other questions about the end of the age or the second coming? I would submit to you, yes, he does. But that's not the main question. Because the main question is in all three accounts about the destruction of the temple. Now, why am I bringing all this up? It's like, why are you beating this dead horse? The reason I'm doing that is to show the importance, number one, of reading all three accounts. When you have something in the gospel, you read all three accounts. It gives you a better understanding of what it's talking about. And also to keep the main thing, the main thing. Okay? The main thing, the main thing. Now, there's one other thing I'm going to tell you because we're running short on time. In Matthew, again, what will be the sign of your coming? The end of the age, right? End of the world, your second coming. If you look down in uh, verse 6, let me find it here. You hear of uh, wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you're not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Okay, that's verse 6. Over in verse 14, in this gospel, of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. 6 and 14 reference the end. Well, guess what? And I'm not an expert in Greek, okay? I'm not claiming that. But like anyone else, I can get a reference Bible and look up the references, right? In the original language, that word end there, the word that's used in 6 and 14 is not the same word that's used in 24 3. You don't believe me? Look it up. It's not the same word. Again, verse 6 and 14, where it talks about the end, it's a different word. Telos, I think is the word. A different word than 24-3. So very likely in 24-3, the question, very obvious question is being asked, when is the end of the age, the end of the world, your second coming going to be? A natural question based on what he said. It's just not the main question. In 6 and 14, a different Greek word is used. Meaning, 70 AD. Okay? Now, maybe I'm making a few assumptions there, but, but what I'm saying is, it's a different word. It's a different word used. So what does that tell us? You have to pay attention to the words that are used. You have to use reference materials when you're talking about something like Matthew 24 and, and Revelation, Daniel 9, those kinds of things. You have to look this stuff up. You have to be very specific. Language matters. See, in English, it's the same word, end. <laughs> okay? It's the same word. But in the original language, it's a different word is used. 
Do you think that matters? you think it matters? Of course it matters. Absolutely. See, Jesus is talking about more than one thing. He is mainly talking about and prophesying the destruction of Jerusalem in 70 AD. And he's warning them. If you keep reading, we're not going to read it. He's warning, you need to flee. Which the Christians did. They fleed into the mountains as the Romans came, right? Because they were warned. Because he was warning them, right? That's mainly what it's talking about. But that doesn't mean he doesn't answer the questions about the end of the age. Because I believe he does. My point in saying all of this, I know this has been a little bit different from what I normally do. But studying scripture is really important. And if you're going to get into difficult passages, you need reference materials. You need prayer. You need the Holy Spirit. And you need time to work it out and go slowly and realize how much language matters. How much reading all three accounts, if it's in the Gospels, all three accounts matters. It gives you a better picture of what it's talking about and what the main point of what he's saying. The main point is obvious. It's from the very beginning. He's talking about the destruction of the temple. It just so happens there are other details, other things he talks about. It looks like as well. Now, I know this has been a little bit different. It's a little more of a study looking at words, but that is important. Studying the Bible and searching these things out is important. If you really want to know what it's talking about, you have to look at the context. You have to look at the multiple accounts. You have to look at where does it start? What question are they asking in all three accounts? And what is it in response to? Now, I know maybe that's not exciting, but this is the word of God. It matters. It definitely matters. It, well, how can I apply that? Well, one way you can apply it is that when we're reading God's word, don't make assumptions. Don't make assumptions. Remember what it says. Watch out that no one deceives you. No one deceives you. Well, we can be deceived today. It matters what the Bible says. It matters to search these things out. So my advice to you, if you don't have time to do that, is find a good teacher. Someone who knows, find a good book, who knows about these kind of things because the details do matter. There's lots and lots of people who believe that every chapter like this is somewhere out in the future. And I'm here to tell you, I'm here to tell you, there may be a future fulfillment, but it has also been fulfilled. And we don't know that because we haven't studied. We haven't studied it. We haven't looked at the language. We haven't looked at the specificity. We haven't read enough. We haven't studied enough. And I don't know about you, but I want to know what the word of God means. What it means within its context. So that then I can apply it to my life. Details matter. And I'm sorry we've gone a little long today. But I definitely, looking at this chapter, I want to go slow. I want to look at the details in the few moments that we have. And realize that those details matter. What Jesus said, what he was talking about, when he talked about the buildings, oh my goodness, that is so powerful because he was prophesying what was going to happen 40 years later. And the fulfillment of that gives his word such power and who he was, the son of God, Jesus Christ. Don't ever forget that. That gives the Bible and what Jesus said great, enormous power. 
Have a great and wonderful day and a great Merry Christmas. Bye-bye.